Mama don't need no IPA Mama don't need rosé all day To the next level. Today's episode is a really powerful one. I can already tell. I already know that because what we're going to be talking about today takes your freedom level to an infinitely higher place. It's talking about letting go of alcohol, of bringing sobriety into your life and kicking your life into high gear into the next level. And my intention for this episode is to reach someone who's ready to let it go because it's the best thing you'll ever do, pretty much. So my guest today is Casey McGuire Davidson. And about two years ago, I heard Casey on a podcast. It was the Bubble Hour podcast, which I bet we'll talk about because if you want to give up drinking, that's like one of the best things you can do is watch the bubble, listen to the bubble hour. Anyway, I heard Casey and she doesn't know me. She, this is the first time we've ever met and she helped me to quit drinking. And so welcome Casey. Welcome to Freedom Junkie Radio. Thanks for being Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. Well, um, the thing that you said, you, that you went over your, so Casey is a sobriety coach and she has a a website in a business called hello someday and she helps people quit drinking right yeah absolutely okay so one of the things that you talked about was the 30 tips for the first 30 days and I went right to your website and I downloaded that list and I read it through I was very ready to quit drinking. The three things that helped me, I wasn't an AA or I wasn't a, a, a meeting kind of person that just, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I had to figure it out on my own and it took a long time, but it was you, the bubble hour and Annie Grace's book, the, mm-hmm. um, this naked mind. Yeah. And, uh, and a massive desire. I wanted to quit drinking so bad. So that's something you have to have. I'm pretty sure. And you're the, I can remember several of the 30 tips for the first 30 days. And one was start today. And I remember being like, that sounds crazy. I can't start today, you know, but the day came where it was mm-hmm. like that today's the day. And then the other one was, um, go get every, uh, treat you can think of to have there. Like, um, I went and got every drink, coffee drinks, teas, kombuchas, sparkling waters. I mean, if it was liquid and didn't have alcohol in it, I had it available to myself. And that's, you can go get a lot of stuff. If you spend just the amount you're willing to spend on alcohol and go get it and have it in the fridge ready for when you're, you know, so tell us your, I want you to start with kind of your story and how, how you ended up realizing that sobriety was going to be the best path for you. And then yeah, just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, I'm curious as to, you said a couple of times, I was so ready. I had this massive desire to stop drinking. So I definitely want to ask you maybe a little bit later about what that was and what made you ready. Um, but yeah, uh, my name's Casey McGuire Davidson. I'm a life and sobriety coach. I work with usually um, busy, successful women 
who are ready to quit drinking, um, who are outwardly very, very successful. They look like they have it all together. A lot of the women I work with are sort of this awesome combination of people pleasing and overachieving, which is kind of how I identified as well. And they're sort of doing all the things and then coming home and drinking to forget about all the things in their lives and wanting to check out. So I stopped drinking five years ago, a little bit longer than five years ago now, after probably being worried about my drinking for like eight years, I was always a big drinker. I ended up quitting when I was 40 years old. So I'm 45 now. Um, but you know, I went from college keg parties to, you know, bars with my friends in my early twenties to wine tastings with my boyfriend and my husband, um, to a bottle of wine on the couch on a Tuesday night after doing dinner and homework and dishes, and then getting up the next day to go to work and to do it all again. And I was, you know, really worried about my drinking and at the same time, desperately did not want to stop. Like for me, having to give up alcohol was my worst case scenario. Um, I loved it so much. And I have to say that I don't know a single woman who stopped drinking, who actually wanted to stop drinking when they stopped, right? So what holds a lot of people back, and maybe that was just me, but like, you want to feel better. But a lot of times you still love to drink. And you, was that the same for you? Because you looked like you were like, well, I don't know. Oh, so I thought that, of course, you think everyone's like you, you know, and I thought that in order to quit drinking, you have to have a gigantic desire to quit drinking because I did. I wanted to quit so bad, but you said you wanted to quit for eight years. Are you, are no, you I said I was worried about my drinking for eight years, which was different than wanting to quit. So for me, I made every rule in the book and I thought to myself, I need to get this under control so that I never have to stop. And that's not going to happen. You're not, you don't go backwards. You don't start drinking yeah. less. That, that never happens. Well, what finally happened is I realized that it is so much easier to just stop drinking than it is to try to moderate when you don't have an off switch, which I didn't. You know, my husband used to say to me, you just drink until it's gone or until you, he's, he's very kind. He said, fall asleep. It meant pass out, <laughs> right? Like those were the two options. And so I never in my life wanted a glass of wine if I drank, I wanted two or three glasses. And if I had two or three glasses, I would finish the bottle. And that was just the way I worked. And I was so accustomed to it that it didn't even phase me as much anymore. I mean, I was drinking a bottle plus of wine a night, 365 nights a year, which sounds insane. Mm -hmm. But at the time it was just kind of like what I did. Um, it's yeah. the story of millions of us. Yeah. It's so pushed on our society from a young age. Our, first of all, we, see, we saw our parents doing it and their friends, and that's what they did to re, un, unwind and relax. And then you see the Corona commercials and they're drinking beer under the palm trees. And then there's the most interesting man in the world and he drinks Dos Equis, you know? I mean, it's this, yeah. it makes it seem like it's so wonderful when you're drinking and it's not. I mean, most people know that. 
Um, and so we all, there's not all of us, but I, I don't know if it's a majority of Americans. I would say it probably is. I don't know, but there's a lot of us who are drinking way too much every day. Yeah. And so, um, I thought I probably had a problem and, uh, which I didn't really want to have. And I, I didn't, you know, nobody wants to. And I, um, obviously I loved it. I thought I loved it. I thought I loved having wine and beer was my thing. You know, some margaritas now and then. And the last three years that I, before I quit drinking, I probably told my, my, one of my very best friends that I, I want to quit drinking so bad. I probably told her that 50 times. I want to quit drinking. I didn't know how I couldn't figure it out. I wanted to, everyone I knew, everyone I know drinks daily more than they should for the most part. Now I've started to attract finally on my, so this was two years ago. It was probably exactly two years ago that I heard your interview uh, with Jean um, on the bubble hour. And um, I had been listening to the bubble hour uh, religiously with a glass of wine in my hand for probably 18 months. That's yeah. classic. Yeah. It's, it's important because that was my community. I heard so many stories of all kinds of mostly women, some men who their story of who they were and how they ended up drinking too much and then how they gave it up and what life's been like since. And it, it was, that was a huge part of me being able to, to give it up one day. Um, but I wanted to badly. I, mm. and I thought that, that you had to have that desire because if I didn't want it that bad, I wouldn't have stopped. So I don't see how, yeah, in my mind, you know, so many of us get into the trap of drinking because we like it. And it's so tied to your identity, who you think you are, all the attributes you associate with drinking, like you're more fun, you're more relaxed. The parties are more exciting. Um, it's more romantic, you know, it's, a chance, you know, there's all this symbolism associated none of it's with, true. None no, of none of it's true. true. None of it's true, but we've all been brainwashed. And so I didn't want to give that up. Plus, by the way, newsflash, it's addictive. It's horribly addictive and it's working as designed, right? If you drink, you go into withdrawal without it, it completely rewires, you know, the dopamine centers in your brain. So you actually are at a low until you drink again to bring you back to normal. So there, it's physical, it's emotional, it's mental. And the reason I say that you don't have to want to stop drinking is because if we waited until we wanted to, we would never stop. Because once you're in that trap, it sucks you in. So you actually have to get away from drinking for long enough to say, it's not worth it to me. I don't want it that much, right? Because, you know, I always tell women I work with, if you stop drinking and in the first two weeks, you tell me you don't want to drink, there's no chance I'll believe you because it just doesn't happen. Like that's know, what even sucked though, us back in. Yeah, even though I desperately wanted to quit drinking. And by the way, this is the first time I've spoken on it publicly. I've never oh, been good for you. Yeah. This um, is big. It's big, yeah. Um, I um, wanted to so bad but I also didn't, well, I also wanted to have that glass of wine. Yeah. I mean, so it was a, you know, but I don't know how you would quit drinking if you don't want to. That doesn't yeah. make sense to me. How? Well, in my mind, you want to feel better. You want to feel better. But, and the only way you get to feel better is to get away from alcohol. But the whole point is like a lot of women convince themselves that they have to 
shame themselves enough or beat themselves up or decide they have enough of a problem to stop drinking or that only if they learn enough, like you wrote this naked mind or you talked about it. And it's all about understanding sort of, I'm going to intellectually understand what alcohol does. And when I understand enough, I will no longer want to drink. And all I'm saying is that it doesn't necessarily work that way. If you wait until the day where you say, I'm disgusted by alcohol, I intellectually know it does nothing for me and I no longer want to drink. If you try to wait for that moment, you'll be drinking for another decade, right? Well, that happened to me. You stopped when you were 40. I stopped when I was like 48. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be 50 and yeah. So yeah, no, I did it another decade than you. <laughs> Well, I mean, I probably did it a decade after, you know, after I was worried about it. I remember, by the way, which was classic, when you said you used to listen to the bubble hour while drinking, I read for the first time Drinking a Love Story, which for anyone watching this is like this incredible book written by Carolyn Knapp. And it's all about her love story with drinking. And she said, because I, what I loved was going to destroy me, I was going to have to stop. I vividly remember reading that on my Kindle. So my husband wouldn't know what I was reading in case he cared, which he didn't, um, while drinking a glass of red wine and reading this. And I say a glass, I'm sure it was three, you know, but I remember reading it while drinking. So, I mean, I feel like the emotional attachment we have to alcohol is there, but like you said, you just didn't know how. There are very simple tried and true steps to get away from alcohol. And I think a lot of women, you know, I, I have a podcast called the Hello Someday podcast um, that's for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. And my very first episode of that was called Stumbling Around in the Dark. And the reason was that I spent years not knowing how to get started in quote unquote, not drinking. It sounds stupid, but I literally didn't know how to do it. Right. There are. I want to admit, I mean, this is like, now I'm finally ready to get on literally my soapbox and be like, yeah, everybody. It's so wonderful on this side. You'll you'll be so happy you did it. And I, and I don't have any problem saying that I was drinking every day way too much. Um, But at the time I didn't want to, I really didn't want to admit it. And I wondered, you know, part of that mental anguish that you have that I, I, that really spoke to me one time, I heard a lady say that if she were to have one drink now as a sober person, the physical craving would come rushing back in and the mental anguish. Mm. And I was thinking, what is that? The mental anguish is the constant monkey brain of, okay, it's three o'clock. Can I have one? Okay, wait, what if I wait till four? Okay. Then what if I have water in between every one? Or maybe if I just have it on the weekends, or do you think mm-hmm. any people know I'm drinking too much? It's that constant, it's that thing. And you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh God, I'm not going to do that until, hmm. You know, it's this, that constant oh, yeah. thing about alcohol. And, and um, I forgot what I was saying. You were talking about, oh, I wanted to ask you, you're saying there's these tried and true things people can do to quit drinking. What are they? Because that's what people. Yeah. I mean, well, the first thing I would say is if you are getting started, don't think about forever. Don't think about never again. Don't think about what it means. Don't think about, do I have a problem? Am I bad enough? Like just put that all out of your mind. Think about it as an experiment. 
to see, I recommend a hundred days, what your body and your mind and your life feels like with a hundred days without alcohol in your system, because so many of us try so hard to manage the role that alcohol plays in our lives where you're like, okay, I'm only going to have two drinks or I'm only going to drink when I'm out, or I'm only going to drink when I'm home. Like I did it all. And it, you basically never allow yourself to get past the beginning part where you're in that drinking loop of thinking about it, physical withdrawal, drinking again, trying not to drink, which is the worst possible time. So if you are doing two weeks without alcohol or four days or 10 days over and over again, you are doing early sobriety, which is the worst for years, for years. And you never give yourself a chance to see how good your life can feel when thinking about drinking is not a constant in your life. So first thing I say is forget about never again, set your goal for hundred days. If you're like me, that sounds impossibly huge, but Think about what your body can be like, what your mind can be like, what it, you know, how good you can feel without it for hundred days. I would say, treat it like a health kick, meaning I am doing a health challenge where I am not consuming alcohol for hundred days and actually tell people about it because the more you try to keep it as this big secret or as this thing that you are struggling with or ashamed about or whatever, it is just like, don't make it so complicated. Alcohol full stop is not good for your body. There's no one who will argue that alcohol is good for your body. And if they say the thing about the red wine, that study is bullshit, totally made up, sponsored by the alcohol companies. We can talk about that separately. So you're doing a health kick. You're removing alcohol for hundred days. You set your goal and then you just break it down, right? So your first goal is to get through day four and day five and two weeks. And what you do is you lower the bar you pretend that you have the flu. You go to the store and you buy all the treats, right? You you know, those of us who like to drink, we're like, we don't like to be denied, right? We want all the things, we want everything. So like pack your fridge with all the amazing sober drinks, non-alcoholic, you can get non-alcoholic beer, you can get kombucha, you can get LaCroix, you can get, you know, go to the restaurants, get mojitos with no alcohol. Like there is a universe of options for your palate that do not include alcohol and you've probably been ignoring all of them you know and then just little steps like 4 p.m you need to eat something with protein you know evenings you're going to crave sugar because alcohol has a ton of sugar in it so eat something with sugar like don't try to do a diet at the same time that you're giving up alcohol the only thing that matters is huge mistake drinking. Yeah. Only thing that matters, do everything and anything. I think you said, um, go binge watch your favorite shows, take a month off of parenting. Say, you know, like I homeschool my kids. It's like, you can just, you know, here's a book. I'm not available because I'm being, I'm not drinking. And, um, uh, it was do everything, get the chocolate, get the cake, do whatever, because you're not trying to lose weight. You're not trying to get healthy. You're trying to quit drinking. And I treated it like a newborn baby. Good. That first little bit was like, this is all that matters. Nothing else matters. And then later after a month, if you want to add exercise or, you know, take some sugar out or whatever, great. You're going to feel so much better. And you won't be thinking about how, do you remember, cause you quit five years ago. Do you remember how long it was before you 
really weren't thinking about alcohol every day. Like a few days went by before you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't drink. I think it, you know, it came and went, right? It depended. I remember in the beginning, the days are so long. The witching hour when you want to drink is so long. The weekends are so long. Um, you know, I think it might've been at like five weeks that a Friday night went by and I didn't think about drinking somewhere around 40 days. People are like, oh, I stopped tracking what day it is. I don't even think about it. Um, it both happens more quickly than you think and slowly. I feel like in the beginning, your only job is to not drink. You're literally like, you do nothing else. You put your head on the pillow that night. You didn't drink. You got to day five and day six, you get a gold star. Like you're a gold star girl. And then later you're more just navigating little challenges, little sobriety speed bumps. You're, you're going around potholes that might trip you up. And it's less of a huge effort and more of like a daily calibration. You know, I remember um, I joined, I got a, I got a fake Twitter account and I went on, I was, became part of the recovery posse. <laughs> and that was a huge help too, because if I was having one of those moments where I was like, oh, I really would just have four or five beers right now. I really would. I would never have one either. I'm just like yeah. you like that. I heard Samuel L. Jackson say, someone said, um, you know, like, when did you have the, like, has something about having a beer? And he was like, I've never had a beer. He was I've like, never had a yeah. glass. Of me neither. Like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so, uh, this Twitter group, and this is this was really helpful. I mean, Twitter is kind of like pond scum, really. But but there's a great thing on there called um, the Recovery Posse, and it's hashtag Recovery Posse. And um, nobody knew who I was. I was just some random on there, and I said, you know, I want a beer so bad, and it's day five you know, mm -hmm. and some angel person from somewhere, you know, and probably 50 of them would come on there and be like, you can do this. I'll stay sober with you today. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, there's some sweet person who's staying sober with me today. Okay. They're like, go get a glass of water, go get a cup of tea. Um, alcohol cravings last 17 seconds. If you can just make it through. And it's true. Like now you might get another one in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but if they only last, you know, you get through it. And um, so that was really helpful too. kind of that community. I made some friends on there that we would and it would be day 50. And then sometimes people would fall off the wagon. They'd be like, hey, everybody, guess what? I partied my head off Friday night. I feel like crap today. And I hate myself. And I'm like, yeah, I am so glad that's not me, you know, like, I yeah, don't I mean, I think that finding community wherever you find it is so helpful. You know, you had the Twitter group, I was on Facebook, and there are some of the most amazing sort of private secret Facebook groups for people who are going alcohol free. I have two that I absolutely love. And um, on my website, I've got a guide on how to find them. One is called the Booze Free Brigade, and they like saved my life, but it's literally the best human beings ever. And you, they just are a whole bunch of people who are navigating life without alcohol or are trying to. And on Instagram now, there are so many sober communities and people you can follow and just amazing groups. So there's a lot out there. And, and when you dive into it, you discover that like, they're just like you and me. They're just normal people navigating life where you really, you know, 
know, Paul, like you said, it's all around us, the mommy wine culture, the happy hours, the wine tastings, you know, sports games, like there's a lot of pressure to drink and it's cool to know that you're not the only one choosing to opt out of it. You know, I, I was kind of scared, um, to stop drinking. I, I, I thought I, I didn't know what I would do. I mean, my friends and I would, and our husbands and with the kids running around, we'd, we, what would we do on the weekends? We'd, we'd drink. That's what we did, yeah. you know? And if we did something else, I don't know what it was. I don't remember. And I mean, we drank and it was just such a waste of time. And I was kind of afraid of like, who am I going to be? What is there mm-hmm. out there for me? I don't know anyone. Yeah. And um, it didn't matter because my whole life came barreling through the gates. When I quit drinking, it was like there all the dominoes for this amazing thing had been set up and it was just waiting for the domino and the domino was to be alcohol free. You know, I also said it was like being on a, um, being an airplane and I couldn't take off for some reason I was just grounded and waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. And there were all these things waiting up there above the clouds that were, you know, I wanted to do, I had all these things I want to do. I wanted to do a podcast. I wanted to make more music and I quit drinking and the clouds just parted and I took off. I mean, it's amazing how much time you have and how much energy you have. You wake up in the morning and you feel fantastic. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean. I love that you said that about like a grounded plane. I always call it like you're trying to run a marathon with a ball and chain tied to your ankle and you don't even realize that's what's happening because it's what you've been doing for so long, but you're just carried around this backpack of rocks. And then when you put it down, you have so much more time and money and energy that, and you have the mind space and the heart space to do other things with your life. Um, One of my favorite authors I interviewed her on my podcast is Claire Pooley. She wrote The Sober Diaries, and she said that it wasn't so much the things she did when she was drinking that she regretted, because she didn't really do that many bad things, and I felt like I didn't either, but it was the things she didn't do. She said it was all those nights and weekends slipping through her fingers for years and years, and and that's kind of what it is. It just said it sort of gets you used to operating on half power and you don't even realize it. Yeah. I'm, I try not to, to live in a place where regrets, no regrets, you know? Um, But I do, I, I lost easily a decade. I mean, I didn't lose it. I, I parented relatively well. I was step, you know, I, I did great for drinking the amount and, you know, as often as I was. And I've heard a lot of women say that a lot of people wouldn't have known that I had a problem, but I knew, you know? Yeah. And, when it's more like that internal discussion with yourself is the hardest part. Like, I mean, one of the best things that I love about not drinking is a, you sleep through the night, which is incredible and feels amazing. And I didn't realize how terribly, you know, I was sleeping for years. I thought those 3am wake ups were because my life was stressful. I had and, that exact thing. Yeah. I woke up every night and had, and I was awake for about an hour. And had that anxiety and racing hard and just, oh my God, how am I going to function if I can't sleep? Yeah. And you just go through life exhausted. But I also love waking up and not talking shit to myself anymore. I mean, I used to wake up and be like, what the F is wrong with you? Get your shit together. You know, all this stuff, all that chatter is just gone. I literally just wake up and I'm like, oh, coffee. That's awesome. Like it's so much more peaceful. 
they call the little gifts of sobriety that you don't even know. You are just thinking, okay, I'm ready to kick this. I'm ready to let go. You don't even know what all the little, all the little surprises that are going to happen are. One was uh, 23 pounds, just (laughs) gone in about six to eight months. Didn't change anything except that I'm not consuming like a thousand calories in alcohol daily, you know? Um, well, so do you have stories from your clients that obviously would be, um, anonymous, but any, anyone that's just taken off and like the freedom level in their life, um, that was pretty outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I think that it happens differently for everyone because the thing that alcohol does is it lets you settle for less. It keeps you pacified. I always think like, it's like a baby with a pacifier. Like there's an old joke where, um, and I hate these, I hate all the wine memes. I used to be the queen of, of sharing them. God help me. But (laughs) there is one that says like, um, you know, it's like the guy's guide to talking to his wife. It's totally condescending and a total jerk move, but it's like, what's, you know, dangerous, very dangerous to say safe, ultra safe, et cetera. So dangerous is you come home and you're like, what have you been doing all day? Right. Clear asshole move, or like, you're going to wear that. And then the ultra safe in every example is here, honey, have a glass of wine. So the what he does is we are righteously upset, frustrated, bored, lonely, annoyed, whatever it is. And instead of actually acting on that, we drink a bottle of wine or a bunch of beers and just basically shut ourselves up. And, you know, basically we're suppressing our immune system and our mind so that we don't actually go for what we want, right? It's like a pacifier. So I think the first thing that happens when you stop drinking is, A, you have to acknowledge all those feelings and frustrations and fears and social anxiety, which you never have before. And then in order not to go back to drinking, you have to do something about them. You have to make, they're not big tweaks, but you start slowly saying, that's not okay for me, or I can't do this, or I don't want to do this or whatever it is. So I think that the, the first thing that happens when you stop drinking is you put up with less in a really, really good way. And so for a lot of people, that means sort of changing the way relationships have been set up and boundaries, whether it's with your boss, your coworkers, your husband, your kids are a big one. You start taking care of yourself better and you get all this space opened up in your life. I kind of call it the time between like no longer when your entire life is structured around drinking and drinking activities, and then not yet, which is when your world just expands with all this cool stuff that you've had blinders on and you haven't even considered doing when you were drinking. And so as that time opens up, you get to sort of look for what lights you up and look for your divine breadcrumbs and take steps for towards them. So for that's all that is to say that for every person it's different. So for me, I stopped drinking. I had to deal with a ton of people pleasing boundary issues around work, around wanting that like gold star girl pat on the head, um, being afraid of disappointing anyone or not being seen as the straight A student, which was leaving me running ragged and sort of saying no to projects and prioritizing myself at home and asking for different things in my relationship 
so that I could come into my own. And eventually that led me to saying, I want to go back to coaching school. I want to become a coach. I want to quit my corporate job of 20 years and go out on my own and start my own business. I've had uh, other friends who, while working corporate jobs, um, a girlfriend of mine, Ingrid, wanted to start a bookstore. She's always wanted to start a bookstore. She worked a high tech, you know, chief technology officer kind of job. And she was able to, now that she wasn't drinking every night and recovering, start her own tiny bookstore in her neighborhood, in addition to working her full-time job and then transition. So now she is doing her own thing and owns her bookstore and is no longer in the corporate world. Um, I have other clients who've started painting at while continuing doing what they're doing and other people have decided to get divorces. They've decided that what's going on in their lives is no longer good enough. I think that's a lot of what people decide. It's no longer good enough the way things have been set up. Right. And the alcohol um, was, was a, was a blinder, like you said, to that. A Band-aid, a blinder, a sedative. It is a sedative. Um, and you also like sometimes in partnerships, um, your partner might actually like it when you drink. I mean, sure. They want you to have an off switch or to, you know, drink less often or whatever, but they get something out of the trade-off. And a lot of times what they get is we don't call them out as much as we maybe need to, because we don't want them to look at us too closely. We ask for less, we put up with more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of catching that the healing work that needs to happen that a lot of us, we, we, put, we, we, we put that aside and just drink right? Because who wants to really do the hard work? And, but those things come up, the reasons why you were, you know, unhappy to begin with, or you didn't like your job, or you're not happy in your relationship, or those things. Um, and then they're very apparent, because you yeah. pulled that bandaid off. And you're like, oh, so this is what my life looks like. I'm not just going to go forget about it. And then you start to heal those things. And that giant healing starts to take place slowly and beautifully. And those things that needed to happen in order for you to blossom start to happen. You start to make them happen. And you get braver and your world gets bigger. I mean, that's one thing that I had no concept of, you know, because you don't realize it, but when you're drinking, your world gets pretty small. You not only a lot of times it's, you know, I always talk about you have drinking highlights, which is for me was me in Italy with my husband with a craft of red wine, right? That was the highlight. That was what I didn't want to give up. 80% of my drinking was me on my couch, waking up there at 2 a.m. because my husband couldn't wake me up, sneaking upstairs, feeling angry, resentful, irritable, waking up, feeling like total garbage and taking my kids to school while I went to work. That was my groundhog day. So when you are drinking a lot, mostly all of your friends drink, your spouse drinks, your hobbies are around drinking, you edit. Maybe you don't go for the like 7 a.m. running club because you drink, you know, you drink at night. Maybe you don't sign your kids up for stuff that you'd have to pick them up in the evening. Maybe you don't do, I mean, I used to be like, when people would invite me to something that didn't involve alcohol on like a Saturday evening, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, including baby showers, by the way, I was like, only one person isn't drinking. What the hell? You know, so your world gets so much bigger. And when I stopped drinking, I, you know, 
a ran a 10 K for the first time in, in years and started um, making new friends and doing new activities and did the, you know, the wanderlust mindful triathlon, but I also went on yoga retreats in BC by myself with no kids and spent the money to do that. And, you know, felt like I was 16 again, felt like the whole world was open and exciting and wonderful. Yeah. It's amazing what healthy things you won't do for yourself while you're drinking because it's incongruent. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't spend $3 on an aloe drink because I'm just going to undo that with wine or beer later. Why would I do that? But now it's like $3 for an aloe drink. You know, I have a beer that would cost three times that, you know, and so doing something healthy for myself makes a lot of sense now. Um, and the other thing is um, my relationship with my, particularly my teen, it, incre it, it increased in its brilliance um, a hundredfold when I quit drinking. Yeah. And I knew it would because he, you know, teenagers will punch your buttons and he was doing that. And I, I'd punch back, you know, if after I'd had a few drinks and, and, and I'm in, I wasn't a mean drunk at all, you know, I, um, but I didn't have that, my, that ability to, to re, to take a moment and respond instead of reacting. Alcohol <laughs> does not give you that. You know, <laughs> and so I do that now. If if I can tell he's kind of punching, I'm just like, okay, he's a teenager. This this too shall pass. It's all good. And I'm in this place of power where I wasn't before. So our relationship is so much better. And I thought of that too. I'm like, he's gonna get to the age where he's gonna call me at 12:30 at night and be like, Mom, the guy who drove us here was drinking, and I need you to come pick me up. I couldn't have done it when I was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'll be like, heck yeah, babe, I'll be there. Yeah. So for me, you know? Yeah. And so there's so many things that you don't know. Yeah. That you don't know. And yeah. I just love that that's not an example that my kids are going to see because I mean, like I said, I would drink a bottle a night. It was a constant on our counter in our home and no one really said anything to me about it. Right. Like I knew, but there was no one saying case you should stop drinking. Like my husband never said it to me. No one at work ever said it to me. I mean, I was working, you know, I always think of the duck with like the, the, the feet going like crazy under the water. Like that was me every day, just like hustling to keep it all together so that no one would say anything. But I like now I quit when my son was eight years old. My daughter was two. I like that he isn't growing up seeing that alcohol is required and there at every dinner. You don't have to drink to have dinner. You don't have to drink when friends come over. And also that alcohol is just a beverage, right? Because I drink a lot of other things. And, you know, it's just, um, it's not the end all be all. And he's actually really proud of me for stopping drinking, which I love. Okay. So you said you had a two-year-old when you quit. And um, I don't, my youngest was- Yeah. How old Mine were- 13 and, and nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 13 and nine. And so, um, it's interesting. I'm, did you quit drinking when you were pregnant, but then you hit oh, it? Oh yeah. 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 Same. same. Yeah. And, and hit it hard again. Once the, you know, even my midwife said, well, you know, a good dark German beer brings in your milk. 
And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, bring me that good dark German beer. Yeah. And uh, so it didn't take me any time at all to get right back where I was. It's that um, that addiction thing where, you know, people who will quit smoking, but then they go back and they're back to a pack a day, like in a week, you know, it doesn't take long to get right back where you were. Um, so yeah, I did that too. I quit and- I, I think that like the, a lot of us sit there and say, well, I didn't drink when I was pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, yes. You did that for someone else. Well, and also like you think about the social pressure, right? It is actually, some people will tell you, and trust me, I, I was friends with drinkers, right? So they'd be like, oh, in your third trimester, you can have half a glass once a week. Or, you know, when you're breastfeeding, people are like, oh, half a glass of wine helps the milk come in. Other than that, there is a huge amount of social pressure to not drink when you're pregnant. It would be weird, you know, if you went to a bar and ordered, you know, a bottle of wine when you were visibly pregnant. When you're not pregnant, the opposite happens. Everybody pressures you to drink, which is really crazy, right? People are like, why aren't you drinking? Are you pregnant? What's the deal? You can have one, Um, you know, like there's so much pressure to drink and so many questions if you don't. So I feel like we can't discount the social pressure and the atmosphere you're in, in terms of helping you drink or not drink. And I think that mindset shift and sort of just one of the reasons I like talking about life without alcohol is because when I wanted to stop drinking or when I thought I should, I did not know a single other person who had stopped drinking who I was friends with and who said, life is good on the other side. Your world doesn't end. Yeah, um, the, it's the only drug where people ask you why you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's kind of messed up. I like to think about it as like, I keep telling people like, imagine you decide to become a vegetarian. Like I'm not a vegetarian, but like someone comes over to your house for a dinner party, they're vegetarian. You're not like pressuring them to eat meat and being like, why did you become a vegetarian? Come on, just have one. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a meat problem? Like what's the deal? Are you never going to eat meat again? No, you just sort of shrug and you're like, all right, that's cool. And you know, it's just, it's just a health choice in the same way it is to not eat meat. It doesn't have to mean everything. So, you know, one of the things that I had to do was quit a couple of times to learn that I couldn't have a drink again after I quit. And so that was twice. And I, and both of those times when I quit drinking, I did it in the guise of a cleanse. And that way I couldn't have alcohol. I couldn't have sugar. I couldn't have, I did all that stuff, which you shouldn't do. Don't, don't deprive yourself of everything at once. But that was how I could tell my friends, I'm doing a cleanse, you know, and then they wouldn't ask me, you know, why aren't you drinking? And so both times it lasted about eight weeks, eight or nine weeks. And then I thought I was out with friends and everyone's having wine. And I think oh, I can have a glass. I can do that. And within three days, I'm back to drinking the bottle. I'm back to drinking four or five beers three margaritas, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't take any time at all to go right back in. And then two and a half years go by. And I'm like, ah, I really wanted to quit drinking. What happened? You know, yeah. I did that twice. So the third time was the charm. I knew that I couldn't. So for me, I guess I've done things differently, uh, which is not unusual, but I, um, it didn't take me long at all to not do the one day at a time. I'm like, no, this is forever. I will never 
have another drink because I don't want to do that. I don't want my life to do, I don't want to wake up feeling like that. I don't want to have to drink like a quart of water all night, wake up all night, be in a bad mood when I wake up, kind of just secretly have hateful feelings towards myself because I know I'm better than this and I'm, and I'm going to go drink again. You know, like I can't do that. Uh, Brene Brown says that sobriety is her superpower. And I'm like, yes, I'll take that. You know, it's mine too. It has lifted me. I mean, I've been able to do a thousand times more than I thought I'd ever do. So I know I'll never do it again. It took me three times to quit. So I kind of wanted to ask you that. Did you, did you have to slip up a few times to know how it worked? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. In, in my mind, um, you know, like I said, I was worried about it. I think the first time I was reading drinking a love story and like, oh, yikes, this is probably an issue. Um, my son was six months old. I quit when he was eight. Mm-hmm. And so I remember distinctly, like I got out a document, like basically a journal. I wrote to myself, oh, damn, I think I have a real issue with drinking. I need to get this under control. This could be bad. And then I literally came back to the same journal, which is hysterical, like a week later and being like, just kidding, totally overreacting, nothing to see here. I've got this under control, like to myself, like I was like trying to backtrack. Um, I did, I did all the things, right? I tried to do the diets, the 10K, the cleanse, the whole 30, all the things kept coming back to drinking when he was five. I left a pretty stressful job and I was drinking way too much. And I purposely went to a therapist for who was anxiety and addiction. Right. And I walked in there and I said, Oh my God, my boss is a nightmare. My life is hard. My husband doesn't help me enough. And I have all this anxiety. And by the way, I'm drinking a bottle of wine a night. And he said, let's talk about your drinking. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Let's we need to talk about how stressful my life is. And So in working with him, I actually stopped drinking for about four months and then I got pregnant with my daughter. And so during those four months, you know, they always say, I don't love the term recovery, but they say recovery ruins you for drinking. And it does because you know too much, right? Once you've stopped drinking, once you've learned about it, once you've sort of said, this is not good for me. When you go back to drinking, every time you wake up with a hangover, you know it, you know too much. Every time you open a second bottle of wine, you know too much, you know what I mean? And so I stopped for four months, I got pregnant. After she was born, I really quickly basically wanted to go back to drinking. And I told myself it was just a really stressful time before, I was in a bad job situation, I have more coping skills now, and it worked you know, I drank a little bit for a couple weeks, maybe very quickly. I was back to a bottle of wine a night and doing all the justifications for why it was okay. I, over that period knew the entire time that my drinking was unsustainable, that I needed to stop, that I couldn't go on that way. And I just didn't want to stop yet. So (laughs) I tried to, um, drink less. I, tried to stop. I made it like four days. I was trying to go on all these health kicks. I would do four days, not drinking and then drink a bottle four days again. So I drank twice a week. That was an improvement, but still sucked. And then I'd go away on vacation. And so 
when I finally stopped, I did say, okay, I'm just going to try to get to a hundred days. Cause I didn't want to trip myself up, but the entire time I knew I didn't want to go back to drinking because I had like burned myself on that hot stove enough to know that it was the problem that if I drank, I would come back to that same low anxious place of feeling like I couldn't cope with my life. I felt kind of doomed. Um, I just was really unhappy. I felt like everything was the straw that was going to break my back. And I also knew that when I didn't drink, I didn't feel that way. So when the last time I stopped, I actually hired a coach. That's why I became a sober coach. Um, I signed up with her to do hundred days without alcohol. I did calls with her and I actually emailed her every day with, I'm on day seven, I'm on day 14 here. I'm going out to dinner with my husband and another couple. I'm really nervous about it. My boss is a nightmare. I'm having a stressful day. All that micro coaching about like how to get past those stumbling blocks and suddenly, you know, day four turned into day 30, turned into four months, turned into six months. It wasn't, you know, when I got to hundred days, I said, okay, I'm going to go for six whole months. I want to see what that feels like. And when I got to six months, I said, okay, I'm going to go for a year. And once I got to a year, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going back. I'm done drinking. I know enough. But that easing in, I think it was for me. I think it was for my friends. I think it was for my husband to be like, you know, taking this huge social element out of your life is scary. And it takes a while to be like, oh, life's actually better. I'm happier. You're happier. Our life didn't end, you know? Did you read This Naked Mind? Yeah. Okay. So I think it was in the book. It was either in the book or Annie Grace said it. And I, I saw her say it somewhere, but it's, this is her. She said, um, she did an experiment after she quit drinking and she decided because she thought she was more glamorous and funnier and wittier and all those things smarter, you know, when you're drinking. And so as she had been sober for, I don't know how long, a couple of months or something. And she decided to experiment and drink a bottle of wine and videotape the whole thing. And so she did. And she's so funny. Cause she's, she was like, oh the video I thought I was being funny. And she was like, it was just embarrassing. You are not funnier. You are not wittier. You are not more, all of those things that you're just louder and stupider. And you think yeah. you know, it's because it impairs you. So um, I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, what people can do to, to get started. If this is something that, that interests them. Um, something that helped me a lot to keep me um, accountable because those first few days, it's easy to go, yeah, I drank yesterday. Why don't I just drink today, day one, you know? Like the whole, I'll start again on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so, um, yeah, because day one, you did just drink yesterday, yeah. you know? So it's, you know, what's one more day, right? Yeah. So um, I did an online journal. I did a, um, it was a pretty much a blog, but it was anonymous as well. I did not want to hang it out there to the world. Hey, I'm quitting drinking. Y'all help me out here. Uh -uh. I did not want to do that at all. Um, and I wrote daily about my experiences and about how I felt. And I remember it was about day seven and I heard country music. I heard like we were put on like George Strait and Alan Jackson and Clint Black. And I was like, mm, how is it possible to listen to country music and not drink beer? 
I'm like, this, yeah. I don't, I like cried. I'm like, I, this is, I've just entered the worst life possible. I was, and someone told me the name of what that is, an association um, that's an, un, an unhealthy type of association mm-hmm. that it goes away. Like I'm yeah. a country musician. I play country music. I play bluegrass. Yeah. I'm a fiddle player and a singer songwriter. And I've been doing my first band practice without alcohol. I thought, yeah. Is anyone going to like me anymore? You know, I when can- there's that, it also helps to look at all the people who are amazing out there who have quit drinking and used to drink. Like I think of Jason Isbell. I love him. And I, you know, heard his story of giving up alcohol after drinking for so long as a musician. And it's just inspiring. It, life is better. I actually can remember words after 10 PM. You know, yeah. I couldn't, I, I would shut down band practice at 10 PM. Cause I was worthless, you yeah. know, now yeah. I can go, I can go. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I can remember words to the songs and life is, it's so much better, but all those firsts are hard. All yeah. the firsts are hard. The first time you have sushi without sake. Yeah. Like really, you know, but yeah, now I have, I have green tea, you know, <laughs> so um, it's great. Um, something else. So you said, stop today. And I remember being like, what on earth is she talking about? I can't stop today. Well, here's what happened to me. I was in the dentist chair during the witching hour from three to 5 PM in the dentist chair, having like three fillings. It was awful. My mouth was propped open. I was sweating. And I even thought like, Oh, I probably should have had a beer before I came in here. And then I thought, how gross is that? I'd be breathing beer breath on my dentist. And I could, I was like sweating and kind of shaky. And I was just felt awful. And it was in that dentist chair and I heard your, what you had said today, stop today. I'm like, today's the day I'm going to get home. It's going to be after five. Normally I start drinking before five Mm. today's the day. I'm not going to drink tonight. And I did it. I came home and I was like, I'm not doing that. And I hadn't made that decision that morning. I hadn't made that decision the day before I hadn't set a date and gotten all panicked about it. I just, and that's it. That was July 8th. 2019. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Oh. That's awesome. It was not easy. I cannot say it was easy. So if people, if I just know that there's going to be somebody listening to this, who's like, I'm ready. I'm so ready. Mm-hmm. And I want help and I don't know what to do. And I don't really want, I mean, you can go to meetings, you can do that. That works for people. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get through the, the first step, which is you are powerless because I am powerful and Mm -hmm. I am, I mean, that's my personal belief. I am one with God and God is me and I am God. And I, and I'm not going to say, I can't do this. I turn it over to something bigger than me. Yeah. I had to do it. And so that I couldn't even go there. I know that it works for a lot of people, but if you're like me and you want to quit drinking, what do they do? Yeah. Well, I would say that the best first place to start if they're interested is the 30 day guide that you mentioned, because on my website, it's hello someday coaching.com. I have 30 tips for your first 30 days. It literally is a 30 page guide with all this information and resources. It's completely free. And we'll walk you through exactly like how to think about this, what to buy at the grocery store, how you're going to feel on day four or five when you want to drink, what to do your first weekend, like what to tell people, like it's really comprehensive and step-by-step. 
Um, I am a practical step-by-step girl. Um, I personally am not religious. So going to 12-step meetings that both the powerlessness and the higher power for me wasn't where I wanted to be. And it also just didn't fit into my, my schedule and my lifestyle. I was a working mom with little kids and my husband had a job and coached baseball. Like I didn't have time to go to meetings. And so the good news is you don't need to, and you don't need to label yourself. You don't need to do anything. You don't want to, you just have to see how good your life can feel without alcohol. So my podcast is called the Hello Someday Podcast. I've got some great early episodes, including mindset mistakes that most women make when they're stopping drinking. That's like my episode two. And then I have, I believe episode three is seven strategies to get through your first week. And it's all about self-care and it's all about changing your mindset. And I really approach drinking as a habit change, a behavior change model. So there are principles to what works in changing your behavior over the long term, looking at sort of your cue, your craving, your response, your reward cycle, what you were saying about country music and about practicing music and playing, that's a cue that triggers the craving to drink, that triggers the response. So you can break a bad habit through that same framework. And alcohol and drinking, it's just a habit that we've been brought up to believe is required. And it's an addictive habit, right? Like smoking, which makes it harder to break. But it's just a beverage at the end of the day that sucks your your time, your money, your energy, your heart space, your head space. And by getting away from it, you are going to feel so much better. And so I say, the reason I say don't wait, start today, is because there will always be a dinner party. There will always be a wedding. There will always be a holiday. There will always be a Thursday night. And if you don't start at some point, you never will. You will have years slipping through your fingers where you could have felt so much better. You could have done so much more. Well, everything you're saying is just wonderful. I, that first, I haven't gone back. I didn't need the the 30 tips after the first 30 days, you know, that it was really helpful to me. I don't remember everything in there, but you've done such a service because those first 30 days are rough. It is hard. You are a rock star when you get through that first day, first yes. three days, first five days, first week, first month. You're awesome. Yeah. And, and so anything you can get your hands on to help go to, I will put everything in the show notes. I'll put everything about your podcast, your website. Because and that's Grace's book is amazing. The yeah. Bubble Hour podcast is amazing. There are tons of great resources out there. So and I would just encourage people to know you are not alone. Like lots of smart, ambitious, loving, caring women who achieve a lot get sucked into the same trap and getting out of it, you're going to feel so much better. And men too. Let's oh yeah, the men. men too as well. I, I think it might even be harder for them. It might even be more acceptable for them. You know, yeah. it, it certainly was in the 1950s. You know, yeah. women weren't supposed to be. You know, definitely closet drinkers back then. Um, so, you know, my podcast is about everything that makes us freer. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to get somebody on to talk about kicking alcohol because your life just takes off. If you want freedom in your life, if you want to move to the next level, level up, level up, that's, that, that's the first thing. And I knew it. 
I knew I'm like, I got to do this if I'm going to do anything else. And so in your podcast, in your work is about helping people to do that. And I, I um, appreciate you and I respect you and I honor you for oh, doing thank that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I, I'm not doing that. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm out, you know, y'all, I would love for y'all to join me, but, but I'm over here now, you know, and I'm not, you know, and so having somebody who's, done it. And, and there's so many people that are out there helping. So, well, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Or I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for doing this podcast. I love the idea of bringing more freedom into other people's lives and sharing their stories. Well, it's, it's, it's been a roller, a wonderful roller coaster ride. I've had all kinds of people on and it's, um, growing. And so the easiest way to find uh, Freedom Junkie Radio is um, either through the podcast or um, the Telegram channel. So if you want to find Freedom Junkie Radio, we're on, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but mainly I'm communicating through Telegram and uh, Instagram. And while they'll have me. And then it's on BitChute, Rumble, and YouTube. So Freedom Junkies, thanks for listening. And I hope that this helps. Leave some comments, subscribe, share. And thank you, Casey. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, till we meet again. Oh, there's a song I wrote. Casey, you're going to love it. It's called Mama Don't. I'll send you the link. It's on YouTube. Okay, cool. And it's, it was, uh, it was inspired by the, um, the mommy wine culture and how it goes, mama don't need no wine. Mama don't need no Chardonnay. Mama don't need no IPA. Mama don't need rosé all day. I like it. I want to be free. I, it's real um, islandy sounding. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's all about loving my children instead of loving alcohol. Yeah. Mama don't need tequila, I 